Welcome to the third and final instalment of this podcast series from Ockley Books. I'm Chris Nee, and the topic at hand is the Football League playoffs. And who better to join me on such matters than Richard Foster, the author of The Agony and the Ecstasy? Hello. Hello, Chris. Again. Uh, yes, three in a row. Um, worth it, though, because it's a, a rarely discovered other than at this time of year, the playoffs. It's uh, true. We it's forget a, about it until we get there, don't we? And then everybody just has a lovely time. It's a hidden treasure, isn't it? It is uh, for, what, 50 weeks of the year? Yeah, yeah. Um, just a, a bit of housekeeping to say that, of course, the, the book is available to buy now from ockleybooks.co.uk. Um, and with that, let's get into what the playoffs mean as a concept. We've had a quick look at what this year is, is doing. Yeah. We've had a look at some of the big stories that have mm-hmm. happened over the past 30 years. Um, the book begins yeah. with a brief origin story mm-hmm. about the playoffs. Um, we mentioned it very briefly previously. Yeah. Um, it's inspired as an American phenomenon. Yeah. Um, but we did the playoffs in a slightly different way to how it works in American sports, but also how it works in, in certain areas of world football where it's weighted in some ways. How did they come to be adopted by the Football League? Previous uh, podcasts we spoke about two years mm-hmm. and they might have gone away. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. Why is that? Well, as I say, if you look at the origin of it, there was actually a hundred odd years ago, there were effectively playoffs. So the Football League is you will all know, was founded in 1888. And in 1892, they added another division. So there was a second division. And they wanted to promote the idea of promotion. So they came up with this thing called test matches, as they called them then, which were effectively like playoffs. So you had the bottom three in the first division and the top three in the second division playing against each other. And... For example, um, if you look back into the history, uh, in 1894, there was a new team called Liverpool who came up uh, and they went straight back down again next year. So Liverpool was a yo-yo club. I don't know if this is a theory, <laughs> but and then they came back up again, apparently. So there were these mini leagues and you know in the test matches that they had and they were like these playoffs. And then they turned them into, say, into leagues. So they had four teams in the end. So two from the upper... Division two from the lower, and they played each other, you know, home and away. And the reason that stopped is because in 1898, um, I don't know if you're around then, Chris, but in 1898, Stoke were playing Burnley, and it transpired that they didn't need to do anything but draw. So they put together a little goalless draw, and uh, it's basically a complete fix. No one had a shot on target, apparently. The reports in the papers said that the crowd were actually trying to put the ball in the net because they were so bored. Um, so that kiboshed that idea. Um, Charles Sutcliffe, who's in the league management committee, came up with a brilliant idea. They didn't actually punish Stoke or Burnley. They just expanded the division. So they moved it and everyone stayed happy. So Newcastle and Blackburn, who'd, let, who'd lost out, were up in the top division. It's a sort of typical fudge mm. trying to help people. But yeah, so... That stopped in 1898, and then 90 years later, we go into this playoff system. The origin is American sports. All American, all those big four American sports, they all have playoffs. But the difference is, that's deciding their championship. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, the World Series or, you know, whatever, the American football, yeah, Super Bowl. So they're all playoffs to their... American sports don't do promotion. 
they don't do relegation. It's franchises. We know that. And that's fine. And that's their system. They're welcome to it. I actually think promotion relegation is hugely important. It's an organic part of the league. Just imagine if you just said, right, this is the league. We're going to stick with this now. In fact, some people have suggested this, mm. that you stick with who you've got now. Um, rubbish. What a terrible yeah. idea. It's a better fit for playoffs <clears throat> as a way of resolving matters as well, I think, than the championship. It's, just, it's, it's yeah. strange how it's, it kind of... It, it it happened in 1987 mm-hmm. and suddenly it just slotted right in and it, it feels like such a natural way to promote teams who didn't win their league yeah. in a way that giving somebody a title at the end of a playoff bracket mm-hmm. doesn't feel natural. Yeah. It's what, what makes it such a kind of comfortable fit for that part of the season? Well, I think it's because, you know... It, Let's face it, the lower leagues, it's a slog. It's 46 games. It's not as though you're, you know, trolling around. You have a lot of games to play and you've got to recharge your batteries and play again. And as um, interestingly, there's a couple of quotes I'll throw at you here about the, the concept. Lou Macari, okay, he was the Swindon manager in the first year in 1987. Swindon eventually beat Gillingham in a replay. Okay, and this was his quote after Swindon beat Gillingham. It was at Selhurst Park, funny enough, as a neutral territory. I never want to go through a night like that again. The playoffs are unfair and should be scrapped. Now, that's the guy who won the playoffs, right? So you're thinking, wow, that's that's pretty hard. Um, Joe Royal, who we we all know well, he was the older manager in 1987. They lost out to Leeds in the semi-final. They actually went out on away goals, that cruelest of ways. Mm-hmm. He said, it's totally unjust. I welcomed the playoffs, but possibly hadn't considered the ram- long-term ramifications. Now, the long-term ramifications, if you go 12 years further on, Joe Royal was the manager of Manchester City, who were in the third tier uh, for the first time in their history. They were playing uh, Gillingham, who were trying to get up to the second tier for the first time in their history, under a chap called Tony Pulis. Uh, And if you remember that game, Gillingham scored two goals in about the 81st and the 86th minute. Late, Two late goals. Can you imagine being your team? You score two late goals after the 80th minute. You're in heaven. Even I've played back the TV commentary, and mm. they're saying, oh, Gillingham are in the second tier for the first time. Uh, Manchester <laughs> City was... Kevin Horlock scores a consolation goal later on. Then there's the famous story about all the Man City fans on the tube and stopping it and getting it to go back. I think we could say that's apocryphal. <laughs> anyway, we know what happened next. Paul Dickoff scores past the man who was his best man at his wedding. There's so many stories here. I, I literally could write two books about this game. Anyway, so... You get there, you get to the penalty shootout and Man City win. This is Joe Royal, okay? Just won the playoffs. The fans deserve this, but I still hate the playoffs. They are a lottery and a joke. We played 46 games and finished third, and that should have been enough to take us up without three extra cup finals. And in that, actually, in that slightly odd way that he's complaining about it, he actually captures the whole point of the playoffs. Three extra cup finals. Teams that don't get to Wembley very often get a chance to get to Wembley. Teams, you know, there's semi-final games. There are some amazing semi-final games. 
I'll throw one at you. Nottingham Forest, who've got a shocking record, and Dan Story would back me up on that. Been in it four times, never actually got into a final. They went away to Yeovil and they beat them 2-0 away. Comfortable, let's get the tickets. Who's going to Wembley? Which end are we going? Blah, blah, blah. Forrest, who got a bit of a tradition of this, managed to lose the home leg 5-2. 5-2. I mean, it's just remarkable. This is the Nottingham Forest who won, you know, European Cup a couple of times and, you know, were used to be a pretty good side. They managed to lose it 5-2. It's, it's just remarkable. And there are quite a few stories of semi-final comebacks and, and stuff. But let's face it, what sticks in our mind is the final. And whether it's at Wembley, whether it's been at the Millennium Stadium, the old one at Old Trafford, back at the new Wembley, it's it's. Uh, I've been to probably over five hundred games in my life, and I've never known an atmosphere like a playoff final. There's just it crackles with tension. You can feel it, and I, and I now go as a neutral, and it's so good as a neutral because you know you're sort of seeing it all. You can you've been there. You're Stomach's turning, but you mm. can observe. You're not drawn into it because you know what these guys are going through. Um, and, yeah, it can be cruel, it can be heartless, but boys, come on, and girls, we that's what we go to football for, isn't it? A bit of cruelty. That's again. exactly it. I, I have been to two finals. Right. Um, and my team's never been in the playoffs. No. So I went twice as a neutral, both at the Millennium Stadium. Yeah. And... As it happened, they were both terrific finals in their sure. own way. Um, but it was a really genuinely special atmosphere yeah. because of everything that's on it. And there is pressure on these games and there's money on these games. Yeah. But they always seem to be entertaining in a way that other high money, high pressure games are Absolutely. What's your theory on that? <sighs> yeah, this is an interesting idea, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we've discussed this before that I think. If you look back over the 30 years of FA Cup finals, from when the playoffs started in 1987, in fact, 1987 was one of the best FA Cup finals when Coventry beat Tottenham 3-2. But if you then take the next 30 years, I can think of probably three, possibly four Cup finals that were any good or exciting. I know there are obviously more playoffs finals because there are three divisions, but you've got to say there are at least... 15 playoffs finals which you would watch a game <laughs> I mean some uh, mad games uh, you know we, we've already mentioned a few of the classics you know the Charlton Sunderland 98 the next year you had Man City Gillingham the following year you had Ipswich Barnsley 4-2 You've, you had the Reading Bolton game which we've talking about Reading also went played Swansea lost 4-2 Scott Sinclair I mean mm. there have been some you know as I say there is enough there to make everybody very happy as a football fan. And I'm not quite sure why. I'm not quite sure how, as you say, there's so much riding on these games. How do they manage to create this incredible excitement? And if I think if you could work that out, I mean, you'd be a genius because it, by all rights, they should be, you know, pretty turgid, no one yeah. doing anything type of games. But people just seem to throw caution to the wind and say, right, we're here now, might as well go for it. And, you know, having said that, 44% of finals since 1990 have been 1-0. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fine. But 
most of the others have been pretty well, amazing. Even the 1-0s, there's one that jumps to mind. I have no idea why this should come into my head, but Derby won 1-0 against West Brom. West Brom, yeah. It was a classic. Oh, sorry, 2007, when, yes. they, when Derby then went up and got not many points. Yes. Um, certainly not a classic game. No. But the tension made it special, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. goal made it special. Yeah. I think it was a breakaway or something, wasn't it? It was just a really... Entertaining. I'm trying to remember. I think it's Pearson. It was Pearson. Yeah. It wasn't a great goal, but it was. I have it in my head that it was a counter attack of some description. But right. at the very least, it was quite late and just kind of put a sparkle on a game that was otherwise not brilliant, but just had this amazing intensity to it. I went to um, a neutral game. I, I actually know a West Brom fan, and her whole family are mad baggies. And I went to their game with Port Vale which was a tier three game. And it's the first time I'd heard, heard that boing, boing. Mm. Oh, my life. I've, I've never enjoyed myself at a neutral game so much. It was just incredible. I mean, they won 3-0, but it was, it was just... The atmosphere was ridiculous. And I just thought, this is, this is just fantastic. Is this because it's the playoffs? Maybe it is, maybe. But let's enjoy it whilst we're here. I am going to ask you to play devil's advocate a little bit. Okay. Because we need a bit of balance. We're probably... I've been too much of an angel, I understand. But I like it too, so yeah, it's yeah. a difficult thing. Um, is is there too much cup football risk into the mix of the league season by having the playoffs at the end of it? Because it's... A lottery is too far. I think we can both agree on that. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely an element of um, additional, if not chance, then certainly risk for at least a third place team yeah oh, God. yeah but let's consider Chris what we've just been talking about all these amazing games you wouldn't get those games if they're in the league I'm sorry it just wouldn't happen it's just because it, they are as Joe, dear old Joe Royal said three extra cup finals and there is just that element of you know there's a thin line if we're going back to the title of the book there's a thin line between agony and ecstasy there are so many occasions where you know I know lots of people go on about the um, the value of the championship player final and I assess that in the book and you know it just keeps going up because obviously the Premier League is getting richer and richer and richer and feeding itself but we're now into the realms of almost a 200 million pound game just imagine the tension. And, and I remember speaking to one of the first people I interviewed about for the book was Clark Carlisle, okay? Now, I mean, Clark's obviously had his issues with mental health and, you know, we, we wish him well. He told me that he played for QPR in the 2003 final at the Millennium Stadium and they lost 1-0 and his mistake let in uh, Campbell... The, the Cardiff forward score the only goal of the game and he said that point was literally the lowest of the low and actually triggered him hmm. into alcoholism and then he ended up having to be taken off a coach going he was still at QPR the following season and Holloway's the manager and he was drunk and going to a game and it, he said you know that's the point at which he had to stop and reassess and went to sporting chance and let's say let's you flip it forward, he then was playing for Burnley uh, and he was made man of the match when they won 1-0. Mm. And that, to him, 
was clearly the height of his playing career. And Clark Carlisle, for all his issues and all all his problems, is a very bright guy, as we I think we all understand and know. And he told me, he just said, winning that game and winning that man of the match was almost like redemption for him, you know, six years later. And he said, you know, I got under 21 caps, no, not even on the same page, not even in the same book as that win. Now, someone like that tells you that it means that much and it has that effect, then I'm sorry, but I think cup finals like these are a great idea. Yeah. That was was uh, Wade Elliott scored. Correct. Yeah, good yeah. goal that was. Good goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was a year after Windass scored that ridiculous yeah, goal for Hull. that's right. You know, so we're getting, these are one nils, but they're pretty good one nils. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember the Burnley game well. Yeah. I think Wade, did Wade Elliott play for Bournemouth in the final that they had? Probably didn't. He'd probably moved on by then. I don't know. That's not important. We will need to check that. <laughs> yeah. That's a niche question. Yes. Um, what I want to do is try and look and see if we can find a flaw. Yeah. And I'm finding it difficult to even conjure some up in, mm-hmm. in, in my mind. When the book was originally published, yeah. um, you... Went out and spoke to media, had various articles published about it, spoke to lots of people, had people reading who presumably got in touch with you as well. Yeah. Was anybody in opposition to the playoffs continuing to exist? I've got to be absolutely honest with you. I probably interviewed over 100 people over the time and also for revised editions. And I really haven't actually spoken to anybody who's come up with, I don't really like the playoffs. I don't so, I mean, you know, I've quoted you a couple of people who are against them, and, and I, I would love to speak to Lou Macari and Joe Royal now and say, did you really think that? Um, but seriously, I people give a lot of time to talk about the playoffs, which you know, as a journalist and as a writer, you know when you've got a subject that is in the hot spot, yeah, because people are willing to talk to you. There are certain times I've phoned people up and they're avoiding me. You know, I've got thick skin, I can I can take it. But you talk to anybody about the playoffs and they just, you, you can just let the tape go because they're off. You know, it, it, everyone loves talking about it. And even those people who have been at the wrong end of it still actually enjoy it. And, you know, there are Sheffield United fans who've been through it. There are Brentford fans who've had a pretty rough time. And Mark Watson, who we discussed before, is a comedian. He's a Bristol City fan. He, he he said, you know, they've been in it five times and they still haven't won it. And he he actually said to me in the interview, he said, you know, I still absolutely love the playoffs. I love the atmosphere. I just love the fact they're incredibly intoxicating almost games. You just watch them with this almost almost in awe of what's going on in front and because of the tension, because of what's at stake, the significance of the games. But he said, you know, I I love the playoffs. And that's from a Bristol City fan. And he said, I just hope it's bloody sixth time lucky when they next get into them. But I think that sums up to me that if someone can love them who's been beaten a few times at them, let's face it, the, the other classic quote, which I will always use, is Barry Hearn, who was at the time Leighton Orient's chairman. Um, and they played the first playoff game at the Millennium Stadium. Okay, So this was just after Wembley had closed. So this is 2001, 
and it was Leighton Orient funnel enough against good old Blackpool and Orient scored the quickest ever playoff final goal 27 seconds a chap called Tate who I must admit I don't know from Adam but that's what he did they ended up losing 4-2 to Blackpool and Barry Hearn came out afterwards when he was being interviewed about it and he said what do you think of the playoffs he said they're the best invention ever right so forget the light bulb forget the wheel no but Barry <laughs> it's the playoffs and I think Barry Hearn's a man to be respected certainly in terms of sporting entertainment anyway yes yeah. indeed, um, indeed. final question of substance for yeah. you um, would you entertain in any way the idea of bringing relegation back into the playoff picture yeah I've been asked that quite a lot um my answer is no, because I think there's the sense of I mean, we've we've talked about jeopardy, but I just think that the tension would get a little bit too much. It's 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 quite close to being on the red line at the moment. I think if you get the relegation thing, it's actually going to tip it over because it just gets to that point where uh, it's not a positive thing. Yeah. And that's actually going back to uh, Pat Nevin when he was talking about his experiences with Tranmere, as we spoke about earlier in 93, 94, 95, losing three semi finals. He said it wasn't as bad as losing the final with Chelsea because he said we were trying to go up, mm. whereas Chelsea were trying to stay up. And he said it was just a totally different feeling. And you know, you're, you're reaching for the stars. I mean, it is deflating. When you lose a playoff final, it's awful. And there's no hiding it because you think, we're back where we were. We could have been up there and now we've got another 46 games and goodness knows what's going to happen. So, you know, the I, I, I just actually... I, 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 I can't see it working like that. And I think the simplicity of it, the four teams, they go into semi-finals, home and away, final at Wembley... I think it just works and it it can be brutal it can be heartbreaking but you know that's football will we have uh, an updated version every year until the 50th anniversary um, <laughs> I really really don't I did agree with Dave that we would do obviously the 30th anniversary is important because you've got a certain line in the sand and people love talking about anniversaries but I, I just need to get on with my life. I, <laughs> I can't keep looking at the playoffs forevermore. And I think we've we've agreed maybe a sort of every other year we might look at it again. I, I love I, I still love them. I still love looking into the facts and the stats and finding out another nugget. Um, but I, I, I just think, you know, there are other things in my life that I, I need to do, like sort of see my children, talk to my wife. Um, carve out a career whatever it might be but um, no I, look I absolutely adore the player and I, I don't think you could write a book unless you adore your subject because it's it's a long process can be a painful process but in the end it is there is a major satisfaction when I see people and if anyone comments on my book I'm you know it gives me a boost for days because I love it even if don't get that many people dissing it but just saying you've read my book it's just you you do appreciate it as an author it is just nice to have people and sharing 
your knowledge with them and hopefully in a way that helps them remember stuff and triggers off stuff and and in the end let's face it the infographics the only thing people look at in the book anyway (laughs) (laughs) only if they've read it already no of course yeah um I think that's the best place we can we can end the podcast and indeed the series. Thank you very much, Richard. I really, really enjoyed having a, a, a chat through one of football's uh, hidden pleasures, mm-hmm. the one that we very much enjoy when we get to May. So, fantastic subject, great book, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me this evening. Um, you can buy The Agony and the Ecstasy, A Comprehensive History of the Football League Playoffs from oddlybooks.co.uk. This podcast series is an Exit 6 creative audio production for Oddly Books. Music is by Wayne.